0: My name is Al Gordon, and as
1: always, we're working on your financial freedom. On today's show, it's another edition of Tell Al Tuesday, and I've invited back Dr. Bob to join me. You're going to learn a lot from Dr. Bob. Now, why do I call him Dr. Bob? Because he actually went to medical school. He's earned the title doctor, and he's not one of those, you know, PhD holders that work in the university systems. This guy is a legitimate doctor. He's a doctor of optometry. And in 2016, he realized that he had a financial retirement problem. Now, in 2016, Dr. Bob was not a member of Lifestyles Unlimited. He was in the business of operating his optometry practice, which he still owns today. And in that time frame, he recognized that what he was doing for retirement wasn't working. Now, some other things that were going on back in 2016, just just so some of you are aware, there was a guy that was running for president. His name was Donald Trump. Guess what? Guess who's running for president again? Yeah, that same guy is running for president again. Now guess what else happened in 2016? There was an Olympic games. Now there's an Olympic games scheduled for this current year. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? What what else what else was going on back then that might be happening now? Well, Outside of the fact it was an election year, outside of the fact we had an Olympics games going on, there were probably a lot of things that were similar to what's going on in today's society, other than the fact that we weren't dealing with the same amount of inflation that we're dealing with today. Now, another big difference between today and 2016, in 2016, Dr. Bob did not have ownership in upwards of 39 different apartment communities. No, he had not started his real estate investing journey. So what we're going to do is we're going to bring Dr. Bob on the show right now. I'm going to get his permission to not call him doctor unless he tells me otherwise. And in doing so, we're going to find out that this doctor has learned a lot more than he learned in medical school. So no further ado, let me invite Dr. Bob back to the show. Dr. Bob, how are you doing today? Welcome back to the show.
2: Al, I'm doing great. And thank you so much for having me on again. Uh, yes, you may call me Bob. I'm just another normal guy. I don't really like the doctor part. And I was really wondering how you're going to tie in uh, Donald Trump, the Olympics, and my story. That's We're going to really get a good uh, laugh out of all of this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, f- I figure it's a recipe for disaster, but I'd rather go down that path with you than anybody else.
2: Huh. So Well, let's get to it.
1: Let's do it. Let's do it. So back in 2016, now correct the record if I got it wrong— Did you own upwards of 39 different apartment communities in 2016?
2: I did not, but we do now.
1: But you do now. Okay, so what was going on in your world as far as retirement in 2016 that made you take notice of Lifestyles Unlimited?
2: So we had lost a significant amount of money in our retirement accounts through the corrections of 2000 and 2008. In 2014 to 16, the U.S. economy was doing well, but we had had a bunch of our retirement uh, accounts in energy stocks, and the price of oil had been going down significantly. So we lost about 25% of our portfolio in 2016, while the the regular, let's call it the the S&P 500, had gained 25%. So we were on the wrong side of that curve. And for the third time, lost a lot of money out of a retirement account. And at this point, we're starting to get into our mid-years. And we knew that we couldn't keep doing that. You know, we couldn't go through this, go up some and then lose again, and then go up some and then lose again. And, you know, if you lose 50% of your money, you got to have 100% return just to get back to where you were. And I just, I knew that we had to look at some other vehicles.
1: So how did you find out about Lifestyles Unlimited? Did you go to a seminar? Did you listen to the radio? What caught your attention?
2: Yeah, so I, I live in the Houston area, and so I would regularly catch um, Dell on the radio, occasionally, you know, riding around during lunch, doing errands or whatever. and But I never really listened to the program uh, deeply because I didn't really believe in the concept of using leverage as an investment vehicle. You know, we although we never went to a, a Dave Ramsey uh, seminar, we kind of believed in that concept where we, you know, tried to pay off all of our debts. We tried to save more money, live under our means. We did all those things that I thought was pretty much just every normal U.S. family did. And um, so I was driving back from Austin one day in the summer of 2016 and just by random caught a, a show from Dell. And that was the first time I really listened to the message instead of just kind of hearing it on the radio. I, I really internalized that and felt like we needed to at least look into it. So then we went to a two-hour live uh, program that they had here in Houston that fall. And then eventually we went to a two-day in January of 17. And then that's when we joined as preferred members.
1: So the question I have for you, Bob, is how has this real estate investing journey panned out for you?
2: Well, we think it's panned out really well for us. We still have you know some distance to go to get to where we want to be, but um, it's it's been a good uh, a great experience for us. You know, I think about what what Lifestyles has done for us, and there's a financial component and a and a social component. You know, we've we went from you're right in 2016 we had no idea what was going on. I didn't think that I could be involved in in, in you know pooling my money with other investors and we could buy, you know, some in some cases large apartment complexes that are worth tens of millions of dollars, and we never thought we'd have access to that. But here we are buying those kind of properties or involved with those kind of deals. And, and you're right, we've had some success. Uh, we've been really fortunate that out of the 39 properties that we've gotten up to to date, 14 of them have sold, and our average returns have been just under 100% over around a three and a half to maybe not quite four year return. So we've been able to average an annual annualized return of around 25%. And that's actually better than what we thought was available and what we projected. You know, when we look at deals, we, we try to get into something that's aiming for around a 20% return, but we never got those kind of, you know, growths in the stock market with all the years that we were there. And it's been much more fruitful for us. Although recently, it's been a little bit more of a headwind and our deals have kind of slowed down a little bit, but there's some opportunity coming up. And and I'm sure we're going to talk about that in a few minutes.
1: Oh, absolutely. We're definitely going to get into the opportunity, but before we do that, let me take you back to your dental, excuse me, your dental, your optometry practice of 2016. I've I've got dental on the mind. I think it's because I got a little toothache going on, which you can't help me with. And I'm not even going to ask, but at that time, you owned and operated your own dental practice. Is that a true
2: statement? I, I own my own optometric practice. And, Al, it's weird. Everybody thinks I'm a dentist. I guess it's the, <laughs> <laughs> they always think I'm a dentist, but I'm an eye guy. I'm an optometrist. So, yeah, our practice, we have two offices. Uh, I'm the managing partner, but uh, in a partner with a couple other doctors. So we've got four doctors and about 20 employees in two different locations in the southwest suburbs of Houston.
1: And, and which is doing better for your retirement journey? Is it your real estate or is it your practice or is it a combination of both?
2: Well, it's really a combination of both. So, you know, I still work part-time. I see patients three days a week. So I still have income there. And I'll, I'm will i not putting an end to that as far as in my mind because I, I enjoy being there and I love being with my patients and with my staff. And, and it's good you know, financially for me, but it's also good for my health and I get to be around people and I love it, but it helps to fuel letting our our real estate uh, investments build and run and get to a bigger place so that we can have more down the road. Um, So I'm really getting a great balance between the two. So it's good financially and in my good mental and physical health, it's kind of a good balancing for us right now. So I've enjoyed being able to be successful in both arenas.
1: If, if the optometry practice ceased tomorrow, would you be okay financially?
2: Not where we'd want to be. We would need to uh, go find a little bit more income because some of our deals have not really been distributing as much lately because of the headwinds in the market. Um, you know, None of them are losing money, but we're kind of at a standstill. So I need to, to have a little bit more uh, cash flow to be able to replace my current income. Okay,
1: and it, as, a, as a doctor, I mean, let's, let's just cut to the chase. You're used to a higher level of income than most Americans are. I mean, after all, doctors tend to make more income than, say, you know, former Army officers that served 27 years in the United States Army. Is, is that a fair statement?
2: Yeah, it's it's probably fair. I mean we've been blessed. I've you know been fortunate to be in a place where doors opened, allowed us to uh to, to get into a private practice. I always wanted to be my own boss and and we've been just fortunate that we've been able to build a strong business and it's been, you know, financially rewarding for us. There's a ton of people around us that make more than we do, and uh but I think I've got a good balance of income and hours worked. And uh, my wife is a CPA, so she works a full-time job. She's mostly remote, so she's home most of the time. But both of us still need to go to, go to work. We really like it. Um, she actually retired from her corporate job in the end of 2018 and missed it and has gone back to work in 2020 and is just doing that because, you know, we need the income, but she really loves what she does. And so we've been fortunate that we, um, we could slow down some and we'd still be fine but we have a lifestyle that we want to try to maintain. And, and it, you know, you got to feed that dragon with something.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's pretty amazing that you're able to balance all of these balls. And, and you haven't dropped one of them. I mean, after all, you've got the, the the practice, and that seems to be going really well. And you only spend a little bit of time every week in the practice. And that time that you spend in there, you actually want to spend that time there, correct?
2: That's right. I, I really love being there.
1: And then you you're, you're balancing all of your real estate investments. Now you don't have 39 different apartment communities today. You've sold some of those properties, have you not?
2: That's right. So we have 25 active properties, and most of those I'm a passive investor in. I don't I don't do the work on them. I don't make the decisions on them. I just sit and hope to <laughs> that the money comes to us. One of those deals, I am the lead investor, and for people that don't know, that's the, the general partner. So I went out and sourced the deal, and and then I manage it with a management company and, and an operations partner that's you know close to the property because it's in another state. And we're looking for more properties in that area, but I'm trying to grow being a lead. So as I do more deals with that and require more time, then I'll cut back from my practice a little bit more. But I think I'm always going to work at least a couple of days in the practice because I like being there.
1: So you got you got the lead investor bug. I think that's pretty cool. And when we come back from the break, I'm going to talk to Bob about what it's like to become a lead investor after already owning a successful business. You're going to want to hear his
0: answer. Stick around. Got questions? Call Lifestyles Unlimited at 855-497-4335. The Real Estate Investor Radio Show continues next. So when I say be ready, number one to get ready you better, join up Lifestyles Unlimited and learn all these things we're talking about. You're out there piddling, and you know, Internet information and your buddy's information or your dad's information. It's not going to get you the results that we're talking about. You're going to have to be educated in what we're doing. Learn from the people that are already where you want to be. Join us for the free online workshop at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Creating the lifestyle you've always wanted. You're hearing Lifestyles Unlimited's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Welcome back to the second half of the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor
1: Radio Show. My name is Al Gordon. I am joined by Bob and together, we are working on your financial freedom. So as we were going to break, Bob, you mentioned that you got the lead investor bug. Kind of give me a breakdown as to what a lead investor is and tell me about the bug and how it affected you.
2: So the lead investor is a term that we use within lifestyles. Out in the real world, it'd be considered the, the managing partner or the general partner or it might even be considered a sponsor since we do these and sometimes syndications, but the lead investor is gonna go out and source a deal. So they're gonna have, um, you know, brokers and a team of people that are looking for properties and they're gonna go look at a property, do on-site tours, do a due diligence to evaluate properties and markets, and eventually, you know, make offers, get under contract and then purchase a property. And through that, that process, there's other investors that you'll pool money together and and then buy the property as that's your down payment and then there's operating so the lead will operate the property or at least manage a managing team that operates the property and communicate with the passives with the investors that are the limited partners that are in the deal and and so the lead is like the uh, kind of like the conductor of the orchestra they're going to Manage the property. They're going to manage uh, the the investors and deal with communications, and then hopefully it all works out with positive cash flow and sharing of, of profits, and then everybody's happy. And We hope that's the goal. Sounds and, like. And how I, go go I ahead. Tell you how I became a lead. If you yeah, see. I'm curious. Yeah. So so the the second year that I was a member in 2018, I was in a deal in Central Georgia that was struggling. And, uh, and so our partnership group, there were 16 partners. I actually replaced the lead and became the asset manager. And through the help of another local partner, um, his name was Ty. He was the secret sauce that really made it work. But the together, the two of us managed the property for a little over three and a half years, and I found out that I enjoyed running a business like that. I was good at it and I enjoyed the team of having somebody else that, that we could operate and and manage with. And we ended up selling that property in the middle of 22 for a good return that we essentially doubled our money after we were in a position to lose our investments. And, and so we, I kind of got that bug. I wanted to keep doing that. And then I, I bought my first deal in North Carolina in uh, July of 2022 uh, with a small group of investors that are all friends and family, but they're all lifestyle members.
1: And how's that, how's that uh, new acquisition going?
2: Yeah, it's going okay. It's a little slower than I'd hoped. Um, we, we had so, a little bit of headwind in the local market. It's a little bit smaller city north of Greensboro. And kind of a, the good news is that there was a, there's still in the process, a very large manufacturing site in that town being built. So it's going to be great for jobs but it sucked up all the vendors and all the materials. And the property that we purchased was a renovated hotel where it was an old historical hotel. It was um, essentially gutted by a developer and there were still some units that were unfinished when we purchased the property. So it's taken us a little longer to get those up online and make them rentable. We're just finishing the last one. And it cost us more because we just didn't, the vendors, everybody who's working on this big prop, property and a lot of the materials were, were sucked up from that area into that, into that big project. It's actually a, a, a Purina a pet facility that's, that's over a billion-dollar project in a small city of like 15,000 people. So it's a pretty big job producer, which will be good for us in the long run. But it's made it a little bit more of a hurdle for us to get the property where I want it to be on my pro forma.
1: What do you what do you see going on in the multifamily markets right now? I mean, what's what's kind of wetting your teeth with regards to your next acquisition?
2: So in in the market right now, there are a number of properties that um, current owners have where they may have gone into a certain kind of uh, loan a few years ago with an adjustable rate mortgage, and in some cases, they either purchased. A, a cap that would keep you know, that rate from going up too high, or in some places they didn't do that, and now the businesses are not cash-flowing. They were generally short-term bridge loans that weren't le- intended to be long-term, and, and they were going to either sell or refinance. Unfortunately, some of those businesses, the properties are, are underwater. They're not worth what they were when they bought them at the peak two years ago. So our hope is that we're going to be able to find properties that are in distress, that the seller doesn't kind of have the upper hand on the buyer because the seller needs to sell and it becomes a little bit more of a balanced transaction where in the past, let's say five to 10 years, it's been more of a seller's market and they could dictate the terms more. And now we're flipping over to becoming a little bit more of a buyer's market or at least a neutral kind of balance. And it's just better for everybody. It allows us to get into deals at a little bit better price if they've come down some. When you can buy a property for less money, it just gives you more breathing room on the operation side, and if you do what you think you can do, it allows you to have really good returns, but if you're going at a top price, it's really hard to make the deal work really well, and if there's a hiccup, it can really hurt you, and so we just hope that we're going to have better metrics moving forward.
1: Now, you mentioned earlier in the show that you're you're looking at North Carolina and Tennessee. Now, those are just two of the 50 states out there. Why those two states in particular?
2: Well, partially, you know, sometimes doors open and you go through them uh, because my friend that's a LU member lives in the Greensboro area and owns these properties. So we had a team, you know, kind of there. Tennessee, because there's another friend of mine within Lifestyles, uh, is a lifestyle broker. Her name is Cindy, and, and we've talked about wanting to partner up and, and do some investments together. And so that's just where there's some places to, to invest, plus the metrics work. You know, w- when you've got a, a, you want to bake a cake, you want to have good ingredients. And an ingredients for good multifamily is that you've got places where there's an influx of population, so it's growing, and that there's a job growth. And so those two things help to fuel, you know, having bodies that need to live somewhere so there are people that could rent from you, be residents of yours, and that they've, they're employed. When they're employed, they have a much better chance to be able to pay your rent. And at some point, you know, this business is about getting collections, is about managing expenses, and having a profit left over. Those two states are similar in their metrics. They're um, also states that, that seem to have a little bit Less risk of the insurance and taxing increases that we've seen in, especially in Texas, and they've just got growth of jobs and, and population. so it's just a good kind of a good perfect storm in those states, and that's why I'm making the effort to travel to go look for more properties.
1: How important are relationships in your success?
2: They make or break you. the The relationships start with brokers. And, you know, we, we don't source our deals by ourselves. We don't see, like with a house, there's not a sign out in the front yard for sale. Uh, these deals mostly happen and can, are controlled by a small number of brokerage firms. And if you don't have those relationships, you never even get access to it. And then from there, you've got to have attorneys and uh, mortgage brokers and operations and, uh, you know, third-party management companies or employees of your own. So if you don't have a team, you will not make it in this business. You can't even get off of first, you know, off of, uh, on first base with, without a team. And you can't get around all the bases if you don't have a good functional team that's helping you along the way. There's only so much work one person can do. And you've got to be able to have a team that can do some of the lifting with you.
1: Did you ever in your wildest imagination back in 2016, when you were listening to Del Wamsley on the radio, think that you yourself would become a lead investor and be as gainfully focused as you are right now in real estate?
2: It was never on my radar, Al. I had no idea that I'd be getting involved in in real estate like this. Um, Didn't have any interest in it at the time. Never thought I'd have access to it. And I just, I mean, you can hear it in my voice. I love the business. I love the community. Um, I've, you know, built great relationships and people that will be friends with for the rest of my life. And it's been great, you know, financially to be involved. So, you no, know, didn't ever think I'd be able to do this. I'm super happy and grateful for Lifestyles to create the community and the platform.
1: Do you, do you think that your background in medicine was kind of a stepping stone that helped you get to where you are today?
2: I don't really think so much the medicine part. It was just running my business. And um, I'm in some practice management groups with some other really smart people that run their businesses. Ultimately, my my way to treat with patients is the vehicle for me to, to offer services and, and make an income. But it's how I run my business that really has spilled over and to help me in the lifestyle community to be able to manage multifamily and understand markets and and talk to people that are financial and and build relationships that are important. So it's been more about running a business than actually my career. So other people can do it, too. It doesn't matter what their skills are. If they're running businesses, I think they've got the skill set to be able to do this.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with you 100%. I think there are a lot of careers out there that could be wrecked in exchange for doing exactly what you're doing. And what I mean by wrecked is that they could step away eventually from what they're doing for a career and replace it with the income that comes from real estate. Is that a fair statement?
2: I think it is. And that's, I mean, that's the ultimate goal I'm trying to do. You know, I still got to see patience and work until I have enough, um, you know, cash flow that replaces that. So I'm just like everybody else. I got a job and I have to go to work and I'm, I need to replace that income somehow.
1: I, I think you're well on your way. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing your success. Do you, do you think that you might be one of the national award winners uh, from the National Apartment Association in the near future?
2: Oh, I don't know about that, Al. I'm not real big on awards. I just want to be an under-the-radar guy with great returns for me and my partners and I'm not personally too interested in looking for awards if people want to give them to us because we've done a great job that will be, you know, icing on the cake. My reward is that I give my partners what I tell them I'm, you know, going to give them and when I can be successful for them and myself, that's the only trophy I need. Do you have
1: any regrets for making the decision to become a lifestyles unlimited member back in 2017?
2: Not at all. The only regret is that I didn't join sooner. And, you know, I wish I would have. When I listened to Adele on the radio five years before, I wish I would have joined then. Um, I'd be even a bigger success right now. But, you know, the best time to join is today. I wish I would have done it yesterday, but I didn't. So, you know, no use crying over that. We just kind of make the best of what we do at the moment.
1: That's it, Bob. You just pick yourself up by your bootstraps and you move on. I think you're a resounding success, and I'm looking forward to watching your future success as a Lifestyles Unlimited lead investor. And for those of you out there listening to the show, wondering if you can do it too, we're here to tell you that you can. In order to get started, go to lifestylesunlimited.com, sign up for that free workshop, and let's get you going.